Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Open your Bibles to Psalm 105. Psalm 105. And as you turn there, I want to remind you some of the things that the Lord has said about 2016. Some of the things that our founder quoted on New Year's Eve. What the Holy Ghost said through Brother Jerry Savelle and Brother Copeland. Brother Jerry said, 2016, the year of the great breaking loose. Extraordinary things are taking place in the heavenlies. We talked about that this past Wednesday. And 2016 will come to be known as the year of the great breaking loose. More and more notable miracles will break loose in the earth. More and more signs and wonders. More and more angelic visitations. More and more instant healings. More and more deliverances from demonic activity. And more and more finances will break loose so my people can do more for the kingdom, saith the Lord. And during this time of the great breaking loose, the enemy will no longer be able to hold back that which my faithful ones have stood in faith for. We talked about last Sunday. Not even the things that looked as though they would never come to pass. For I will cause them to break loose and to suddenly manifest and to do so in such a way that no one will be able to deny the greatness of your God. Yes, 2016 will be a year in which the faithful shall be rewarded beyond their highest expectations and they shall abound in my blessings as never before. Praise the Lord. Then the Holy Ghost said through Brother Copeland, the word of the Lord came to me and he said, 2016, the great year. Then he says, well, I was waiting for the great year of what? He said, it's the great year for whatever you need it to be. Let your faith fill in the blanks. Whatever your faith and your heart can believe, you can have it in 2016. Don't start backing down and making room for what you can do. If you start putting things down on there that are possible that you can do, I don't get any glory out of that. Step on out there. Get in my word and step out there with your faith. Let me show you my grace in 2016 and let me manifest myself in your life in the land of the living. I want others to see it. I want to manifest myself to you in the land of the living. When you get through with 2016, you will have a testimony. Praise the Lord. So let's look at Psalm 105, verse 37. One of the scriptures I found to use on New Year's Eve. Psalm 105, verse 37, of course, he's talking about the children of Israel coming out of the land of Egypt. And he says, and he brought them forth also, or he broke them out also with silver and gold. And there was not one feeble person among the tribes. A lot of us have seen movies about the Exodus when the children of Israel left Egypt. And some of those movies have people on crutches. Blind people being led by children, oh, isn't that sweet? Oh, isn't that nice? That's cute, but that's not Bible. The Bible says there was not one that was weak and there was not one that was sick. So even if you were 135, because there were people in their hundreds on that march out, you were supernaturally quickened. You're supernaturally strengthened. Your youth was renewed like the eagles. And no matter what sickness you may have had, when they consumed the Passover, they were automatically made well. The healing power of God went into operation. So not only were they whole, not only were they healthy, not only were they renewed and energized, God broke them out and gave them something to be broke out with. Remember, 
they were unjustly made slaves for hundreds of years, denied what belonged to them. And in one day, a suddenly God brought restitution, restoration, and caused them to have more than enough. They had as much as they could carry out of Egypt. Go to verse 43. And he brought forth or broke out his people with joy and his chosen with gladness. So they went out, that word gladness means shouting the praise of God. So when they broke them out, they were filled with joy and laughter. Ha, ha, ha. And they were shouting the praise of God on their lips. And gave them the lands of the heathen, and they inherited the labor of the people, that they may observe his statutes and keep his laws. Praise ye the Lord. So he broke them out and brought them to a great place. So number one, he gave them silver and gold. Number two, he healed, strengthened, and renewed them all, a foreshadowing of Christ and communion, which we just received. He gave them joy and gladness. They went out with joy and shouting the praise of God. Number four, God gave them a place to go. He broke them out into a great place. So if God did that for Israel, you should expect those four things this year. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7, let's look at why God broke them out. We looked at it on the first Sunday of the year, that breakthrough belongs to you because you are the seed of Abraham. We know the children of Israel are the seed of Abraham, but so are you. If you belong to Christ, you are the seed of Abraham. You are as much the child of Abraham that Isaac is. It doesn't matter your race or your background or your gender or your class. If you belong to Jesus, you are a seed of Abraham and breakthrough belongs to you. So Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. Notice what God says to the children of Israel. Deuteronomy is the second given of the law. He says, for thou art a holy people unto the Lord your God. Holy means you are set apart. You are not like everybody else. I set you apart from me. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a special people unto himself above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you are more in number than any people for you are the fewest of all people. So don't get it twisted. Don't think God loved you because you were so many people or you were so strong. He said you were the weakest and you were the fewest. But because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath which he swore unto your fathers, has the Lord brought you out or broke you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of the bondman from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God broke you out because he loved you and he made a promise. It's the same way for you. God will break you out. He'll bring you breakthrough because he loves you and he made you a promise. Verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Remember, he's faithful. That's why you stand in faith, he's faithful. To turn a phrase, faithful is as faithful does. If God said it, he will do it. So you stand in faith and you will see the salvation of the Lord. God is faithful. 
So remember, he broke them out because he loved them, and he made them a promise because he's faithful. Go to chapter 4 of Deuteronomy. So God broke them out because he loved them and he made them a promise. So why did God break them out? And? Chapter 4, verse 5. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me. So most of I told you everything God told me to tell you. That you should do so in the land where you go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes. What are they going to hear? The statutes. What is that? The word of God. And say, surely this is a great nation, it's a wise and understanding people, for what nation is there so great who has God so near unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that has statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? Notice the reason God broke them out was because he loved them and he made a promise, but God didn't just break them out without a purpose. He broke them out with a purpose. That's what we're going to talk about today, breaking out with a purpose. God broke out Israel with a specific purpose. He gave them a law. He gave them the word to follow that showed they were different than everybody on the earth. That if they would do that word, everybody would see them and say, hey, how you live is better than how we live. He said, they'll make you greater than every nation upon the face of the earth. Some people refer to this chapter and these passages as the great commission of the Old Testament. Because when you look at Exodus 19.6, he calls Israel to be a kingdom of priests. What was the priest's job? To connect people with God. He wanted all the nations to come to Israel so Israel can show them the one true God. Isaiah 43 calls Israel a witness nation. Deuteronomy 14 verse 2 says that he set Israel above all the nations of the earth. Why do you set something high so everybody can see it? And then when everybody looks at them, they'll point to God. He broke them out with the purpose. When he broke them out, he gave them silver and gold and renewed and healed them all with a purpose. Go to Exodus 35. Because you have to think, he gave them silver and gold and then took them to the wilderness where there are no malls. He broke them out with silver and gold and took them to a place where they couldn't spend it. Exodus 35, verse 4. Exodus 35, verse 4. And Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering of the, of the Lord, gold and silver and brass. And then it goes on talking about all these precious items. Now, where do they get it from? Egypt. This is not too long after they left Egypt. They may have found some stuff on the way. 
But all this stuff God is asking for is things that he gave them when he broke them out. Verse 20. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up. And everyone whom his spirit made willing, and they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation for all his service and for the holy garments. So God has called them to build a tabernacle, which will be their meeting place with God. But also everything in the tabernacle, if you study it out, everything in that tabernacle and that great meeting tent pointed to Jesus. Whether it was the colors or the tapestry, everything pointed to the redemptive work of Christ that was to come. But notice how they responded, chapter 36, verse 3. So they brought, as Moses replied, and they received of Moses all the offering with the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of the sanctuary to make it with all. And they brought yet unto him free offerings every morning. Come back to that in a second. And all the wise men that walked all the work of the sanctuary came every man from his work which they made. And they spake unto Moses saying, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave commandment and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing for the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it and too much. God broke them out. Moses, I want you to bring an offering. He didn't even tell them how much. Whatever's on your heart to give, bring it to the work of God. And they brought it every morning. And they kept bringing till it was too much. Now, wait a minute. Where are they getting all this stuff from? They're in the desert, they're in the wilderness. Yet they didn't run out. I'll try again. They brought an offering every morning and they did not run out. That does not make sense to the natural. How can you bring an offering every morning and you bring too much? Because the tabernacle, the tent was elaborate. Things were made of gold. But they didn't run out. God broke them out with more than enough than they needed. But God can always put his super on your natural multiply. Remember when the child brought the lunchable to Jesus. A lot of times we think of the story, you want it to be something with a whole lot of fish, some big fishes, and some big loaves. But some Greek translation said it was nothing more than some anchovies and some crackers. So this kid brings the lunchable, puts it in the hand of Jesus. He blesses it, gives it to his disciples, and as they passed it out, it multiplied. It happened under the ministry of the prophets and Elijah and Elisha. There wasn't enough food in it. Multiplied. It happened with the widow woman who didn't have enough and the oil multiplied. You serve the God of multiplication. Yes, it's good to have things added unto you, but there's times when God wants to multiply. And I declare unto you, this is your year of multiplication. That whatever you trust God with, he can multiply it back to you. Why, he's El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. When you look at that and break that word even more, 
as long as you put a demand, there'll be a supply. They gave every morning, putting on a demand, and a supply kept coming. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. He gave the money with a mission, prosperity with a purpose. Your money has a mission. Your prosperity has a purpose. You're going to break out into health and into wealth this year. Doesn't matter what happens on Wall Street. Thank God for low gas prices, but if they go back up again, doesn't matter for you. Because you are not tied to the government, this economy, or to your job to get your needs met. God is your source, not man. So we can't look to our own education, to the government, to what we can do with our hands. Because if we look to that, that is limited in scope. But our God, with him, all things are possible. Because if you run into a need, he's got a supply. And he promised to meet all your needs. But he also said he'll give you the desires of your heart. So you have to grow in your faith, not just using your faith for what you need. Start using your faith for what you want. Oh, that's greed preaching. No, it's not. It's growth. Because if God says, I'll give you the desires of your heart, that's not greed. God would not command you to be greedy. You get into greed when you start looking at the money and not at God. That's one of the tricks Satan uses from Mark chapter 4, the deceitfulness of riches. That's believing that riches are everything you need. You can be deceived by riches and be broke. You can be deceived by riches and be rich. A lot of people deceived by riches. That's why they play the Powerball. But that's another message. (laughs) Deuteronomy chapter 8. Jesus will understand. Come on, Lord. Yeah, Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'll tithe, Lord. I'll tithe. Mm -hmm. Verse 7. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 7. For the Lord thy God brings thee into a good land. Before I go there, remember what God told Abram. He said, I will make your name great. God has no problem with your name being great. He just wants to be the one who makes it great. Because if you endeavor to make your name great, you will violate the law of love. And you will compromise and persecute and hurt people on your climb to the top. The way God will make you great won't cause you to compromise. Because whatever you compromise to keep, you will eventually lose. And whatever you compromise on the way up the mountain will rule you when you get to the top. God has no problem with you being great. He just wants to be the one to make you great. Because if he does that, he gets all the glory and more people turn to him. Because he's is worthy of all the glory. He said, well, I did with my own skills. It's his breath. And he made you. And he gave you skills. Well, I worked hard. Still, his breath. His ability. His wisdom. Always give him the glory. Don't touch his glory. Give him the glory. Why? He's worthy of it. Here's how you stay away from pride. Look at your life. If it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's you. 
Very simple. So every good thing, just lift your hands, Father, I thank you. And every bad thing, Father, I thank you for mercy. You're not done with me yet. Every good and perfect gift comes from our Father above. The Father of light in whom there's no shadow of turning, there's no darkness in him whatsoever. He doesn't put sickness on you to teach you something. If that was the case, wouldn't you learn real quick? And y'all really don't believe that because if you got sick, you go into the doctor. That's well you should. But if that was God trying to teach you something, aren't you being rebellious? See, religion sounds good until you think about it. And then you realize religion makes you stupid. That's why you follow the book. Even some gospel songs are full of religion. Like, that's not Bible. I know there's a lot of good gospel songs out there that are based on the word that are anointed. But it would seem like every time I turn on Christian radio, the crazy song comes on. And so I don't turn it on that much. I have my own playlist. I have the own things I listen to. And so there'll be days that where my wife was doing other things. She's in the car, Christian radio's on. She said it was six hours of great music. As soon as I get into the car, something crazy comes on. She's like, I promise you, it was the first one in six hours. I don't know about what it is with this radio station and you. But just because it has a Christian label doesn't mean it's Bible. And if you keep listening to something that's against the word, that's going to teach you something against the word, that's worse than certain secular music songs. But they've been singing it for hundreds of years. Well, let it stop there. Part of our history. Get some new history. Just because it was sung then doesn't mean you need to sing it now. You want to sing and say the word. Because as you sing and say the word, it goes into your heart. So if ever any time a problem came up in your life and you're trying to believe God, those lyrics would come up in your heart talking about, oh, God put this on you to teach you something. Sing and say the word. Deuteronomy 8, verse 7. For the Lord thy God brings thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. Not lack a thing. Why? The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not lack. That's what that word want means. You are not supposed to lack. Well, shouldn't Christians be poor? Says who? Remember, we're studying the Jews right now. Christianity came out of Judaism. Judaism doesn't need Christianity to explain itself, but Christianity needs Judaism to explain itself. Our brethren, the Jews, don't believe in being broke. Their rabbis don't teach them that. Why? They actually believe their book. We should believe ours. The world's like, oh, that Christian has too much money. Who is the world to tell you what you should have and should not have? Because they'll tell you, you shouldn't have it, but some superstar has it. And pay attention. Anytime they do an expose of what a preacher has, watch, it's always close to a Christian holiday. Why? To keep people from going to church. Pay attention. Don't let the world teach you the Bible. They don't know the Bible. If they did, they wouldn't be the world. You go to the book 
And be careful if anybody tries to put, you, put limitations on you that are not found in the book. You go to the Word. You limit yourself. Well, what if I get too much? Give it away. What happens? You keep getting it. Think about it that way. That God loves you so much, He wants you to prosper. It says, let the Lord be magnified that takes pleasure in the prosperity of His servant. If He takes pleasure in the prosperity of His servant, then He greatly delights in prospering you, His beloved child. You, if you have kids, you don't take pride in saying, well, they got holes in their clothes. Don't they look pious? Oh, they coughed. Looks like God's trying to teach them something. Put away that cough syrup. They failed all their classes. They're going to take it over again. Look at the Lord teaching them. That is crazy. God's a good, good father. Why are you putting that on him? God's been blamed for more things throughout human history. He had nothing to do with it. And people forget there's a devil. So the devil's like, cool, you keep blaming him, I'll keep staying busy. Because a thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The Amplified said you might have it to the full till it overflows. Know who your enemy is and know who your God is. Don't confuse the two. And don't let religion teach you the opposite. A land whose stones are iron and whose hills thou mayest dig brass. And when thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord your God for the good land which he gives you. Then he goes on to, to let them know, beware thou forget not that the Lord your God and not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses, I can't live in more than one house. We'll rent it out and make money. Give it away to somebody. And dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied. So your agriculture, your business, your money, everything's going to be multiplied, and then whatever else you've got is multiplied. This is what the blessing is doing. This is what he's called this nation to. Then thy heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God which broke you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. So he says, when all everything is multiplying, everything is going well, you're increasing on every side, don't forget it's God who did it in the first place. Don't touch his glory and go, you know what, I am pretty smart. That was a good idea. I worked really, really hard. Yep. I did a good job. You know it wasn't you. So stop pretending that is you. Give all the glory to Jesus. Verse 18, but thou shalt remember the Lord your God, for it is he that gives thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swear unto your fathers as it is this day. Remember it, it's God who gives you to get wealth. He also gave you things to enjoy. He didn't give you things to meet your need. The Bible says he gave you things to enjoy. But he says he also gives you power to get wealth that you may establish his covenant, that you may do all the things he told you to do. 
See, God will always meet your needs. If you have an area of your life and the need's not met, I submit to you, more than likely, God already supplied the need, but you misspent it. Y'all be quiet if y'all want to. First Kings chapter 10. Because whatever God gives us, we ask for wisdom about it. Now, there may be sometimes something comes up because of the attack of the enemy. And it's like you did your best using your wisdom and saving and doing those things. That's the time you put your faith on it. And watch God show up and show out. Watch God break you out of that situation. And even if you messed up in the past and you're in a situation where it's my fault I'm in this mess. God is still God. His mercy is new every morning. So fall on the mercy of God and set your faith again and watch him bring you out. Why? He loves you. First Kings chapter 10. We're breaking out with a purpose. So we see what God said to Israel when he brought them out of Egypt. We saw what he said again and again in the book of Deuteronomy. It's a consistent theme. So hundreds of years later, Solomon, David's son, is king. God is blessing him and prospering him so much, other nations are hearing about it. They're hearing about how smart, how wise Solomon is. And they hear about how much money Israel's got. Says he made silver as common as dust. Depending on your house and your cleaning abilities, some of us got a lot of silver at home. (laughs) And said he made rubies and precious stone as common as rocks in the yard. Not just for him, the whole nation. First Kings chapter 10, what did that cause? Verse 1. And when the queen of Sheba, she's from Ethiopia, heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. She had questions concerning her life and her administration. She needed answered. And Solomon answered everyone with the wisdom of God. And verse 6, and she said to the king, it was a true report that I heard in my own land. Of, the, of your acts and of your wisdom. Howbeit I believe not the words until I came and my eyes have seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceeds the fame or the report, report which I heard. Note what she says in verse 9. Blessed be the Lord your God, which delighted in thee to set thee on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever, therefore made he the king to do judgment and to justice. She comes from a heathen nation, but now she acknowledges who God is because she heard the report of what God was doing in Israel. This was his plan all along when he brought them out of Egypt. So she goes back and takes the teachings to her nation. Her nation begins to follow God. How do we know that? When we read the book of Acts, there's an official sent to Jerusalem to bring a gift. It's an official gift from the nation. Why? They follow God. And everything that happened in the law and under Solomon laid the groundwork as this official goes back to run into a man of God by the name of Philip who became an evangelist, who preached the gospel to him. He was going by, he was reading Isaiah 53. He didn't understand what he was reading. And the evangelist comes by, do you know what you're reading? He says, how can I know that someone teach me? So he began to teach him and preach to him Jesus from that point and he got saved and baptized. And then he sent him back, and Ethiopia became a Christian nation. 
Christianity was long in Africa before much other things got there. Westerners didn't introduce it to Africa. Come on now. Christianity was in Africa before it got to Europe. So don't let unlearned, maybe well-meaning, yet still ignorant, people teach you that Christianity was something forced upon your ancestors. Don't let them try to teach you things that's not true. Yes, people have tried to use the Bible for horrible purposes, but that's still wicked people. Satan uses the Bible for horrible purposes, but it doesn't mean the Bible's not true. Christianity, if you want to go to history, was in Africa 600 years before Islam. Well, how did Islam get a stronghold? They killed the Christians. Read your history book. Well, not the ones they have in school, the real ones. So don't let people, because of different movements that happened in the last century, trick you out of what the Bible actually says. Well, they portray Jesus all over this way and this way and that way. Of course they do. It started before the Renaissance in the medieval times. To make the Bible relate to the people in that area, they painted pictures of what the people in that area looked like to make it relate to them. And those are the paintings that survived. Where's Jesus from? The Middle East. What do you look like? Middle Eastern. It's not that deep. So don't be offended however he's portrayed. He's Jesus. The word is true. Don't let people, although well-meaning, yet ignorant, teach you otherwise. Stick with the book. Go to Haggai chapter 1. Haggai chapter 1. It's after Zephaniah. It's before Zechariah. If you're still trying to find it, go to the table of consonants. (laughs) Haggai chapter 1. So this is God's plan for Israel. They departed from that plan. They went after other gods, did their own thing. Judgment came. Nations invaded and took them captive. But God is still faithful to his word. So he broke them out of Babylon. We looked at it on Wednesday, Psalm 126. They came back. They said it felt like they were dreaming, full of joy and laughter. God brought them back to the land. So as they get back to the land, God had to remind them about some things. Why? He brought them back. He brought them back with stuff the heathen king commanded. Everybody take an offering to take back to Jerusalem. He commanded his whole empire, go give to the people of God. On top of that, everything that Nebuchadnezzar took, I'm giving back to you. So they had materials to go back and build the house of God. That's the commandment you see in Ezra chapter 1. But somehow after they got back, they got distracted. They got discouraged. They started building their own house. I forgot about God's house. Verse 2 says, Thus speak of the Lord of hosts, saying, This people, the time has not come. This is what the people are saying. 
the time that the Lord's house should be built. So they're saying, oh, no, we got to take care of our own stuff. We got to build our house. We got to do this. We got to do that. We'll build God's house later. We'll do it eventually. Have you ever noticed every time you say later, it never comes? Later is always later. I'll start tithing later. That was five years ago. You know, I'll join Team Faith later. That was last year. Later seems to never get here. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in sealed houses and this house lie waste? Said, You live in beautiful houses and God's house has nothing. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have so much in bringing little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but you're not warm. You earn wages to put it in bags with holes in it. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Everything in your life is not working out like you thought it was. It's not like what God promised in Exodus and Deuteronomy. It's not like what Solomon saw. What happened? You are focused on yourself and not what God said. So he sends this message to wake up the people of God so they take care of the house of God. Look at chapter 2, verse 5. The prophet says, according to the word that I covenant with you, when he came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you, fear ye not. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come. I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. And the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts, for the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. The people words is, well, we missed it. How can God do greater? And God says, I will do greater. Your best is still yet to come. The glory of this house you're building now will be greater than the glory you saw with Solomon. Just remember to do what I told you to do. And don't worry about your needs. All the silver and the gold belongs to me. Just like he did in the wilderness and multiply for the people, God can still do it for his people there. Just like he did in the days of Solomon, he could do it for them in the days of Haggai. Go to Malachi chapter 3. Between Haggai and Malachi, a hundred years pass. And God has to remind them about the same principle. He actually has to remind the priests on how to live right. You know you get to a bad point in time when God has to remind the preachers what to do. And so if the preachers don't know what to do, you know the people don't know what to do. Because that's how God deals with people. He will deal with the man of God, then he'll deal with the people of God. He doesn't call the people of God to deal with the man of God. Watch what you say on Facebook and Twitter and Periscope and everything else like that. The word is still true, touch not his anointed and do his prophets no harm. And as Paul said by the Holy Ghost, who are you to correct another man's servant? Malachi 3. Watch what you say and watch what you post. Malachi 3. Because remember, for every idle word you give an account for. Not just in heaven, the day of judgment, today, life. Malachi 3, verse 6. For I am the Lord, I change not. Praise God. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. 
Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I return unto you, says the Lord of hosts. But she said, wherein shall we return? He says, well, how do we return to you? He asked the question, will a man rob God? People go, of course not. We're not going to try to get God in the alley and say, stick him up. Yeah, ye have robbed me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and in offerings. I'm sure they got quiet. You are cursed with a curse. What is a curse? The empowerment to fail. Just like you saw in Haggai. Although they seem to be doing the right things, it's never enough. For you have robbed me this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes, not part of the tithes, not some of the tithes, not group on tithes, all the tithes, into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now, put me to the test. Herewith says the Lord of hosts, the God of angel armies, if I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. What is a blessing? It is the empowerment to prosper. It will lead to Deuteronomy chapter 8 and 1 Kings chapter 10 and what we read about. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast their fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations, going back to the original purpose God broke them out of Egypt for, shall call you blessed. For you shall be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts host goes back to his original purpose I'm gonna bless you because I love you I'm gonna bless you because I made you a promise but I'm gonna bless you with a purpose I want the whole world to know just like the prophecies we read at the beginning of the experience today he wants other people to see it he wants it to be so great so extreme that nobody can deny the greatness or the goodness of your God he wants to do it in such a way it catches people's attention you really think that God has done his best that people have ever seen, that everything we see in the future is going to be less than what we've seen in the past. God's best is always yet to come. It's always getting greater. His greatest signs and wonders and miracles, his greatest outpourings are still ahead of us while he's God. We live in an age where everybody's attention span is short. You know, people are like, oh, people can't stay in church long without looking at their phone. People can't stay in a movie long without looking at their phone. Attention span is short, especially in America. That's why Instagram is so popular. 16 seconds, what you got to say? So in a generation where people are like that, God is going to have to do some amazing, wild things to capture people's attention. And he's going to do it. And he's going to do it through you and for you. So knowing all that, go to Mark chapter 10, almost done. Breaking out with a purpose. Some of you have been asking the Lord questions, and I've been praying over the message. The Lord answered people's questions. So we've taken a lot of rabbit trails around this message. Seek the Lord, and He answered. One of the ways he'll answer your questions is through the ministry of the word on Sundays and Wednesdays. A lot of time when you need an answer from God, your answer usually comes on a Sunday you don't feel like going to church. Amen. Your breakthrough is usually on the day like, oh, well, these covers feel extra warm. 
I'll get the MP3 later, Jesus. Oh, you know what? I'm just going to sleep five more minutes. You wake up. Ooh, it is noon. Oh, time to eat. Just a side note. Mark chapter 10. You want to start your week in the Word. Start your week at faith. Mark chapter 10, verse 20. This young man, called him the young rich ruler, comes to Jesus. And he asks him, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus replies to him the social commandments that are found in the Ten Commandments. And he replied, I've done all those things since I was a young boy. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. So whatever Jesus is saying to him next is because he loves him. Whatever God tells you, he tells you because he loves you. Not because he's trying to ruin your fun, but because he loves you. The specific instructions to this man. One thing you lack. That's pretty good. Because if Jesus was to appear before us, he may say 500 things you lack. <laughs> Five million things you lack. How much time you got? We got a long time. Get yourself some Starbucks because we got a while to talk. He said, for this one young man, one thing you lack. Go your way. Sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come take up your cross and follow me. Now notice what he's saying. Whatever you got, remember, he's rich. Sell it, give it away. Now notice what God said in the Old Testament when you give to the poor. It says, if you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord, the Lord will repay so he's a man of the word. He should remember that. If he gave it away, God will bring it back to him. But then he says, take up your cross and follow me. The cross is a symbol of suffering. People think, well, yep, see, preacher, the Christian is called to suffer. You're right. But what suffering are you called to? It's not sickness. It's not disease. It's not depression. It's not evil things that Jesus bore on the cross for you. The only suffering the Christian is called to is walking in love with unlovable people. Amen. It's walking in love when people persecute you. Amen. You standing in faith and blessing them when they cuss you out. Yes, when they try to do you harm, you seek their good. Amen. That's suffering enough. Because all those who live godly will suffer persecution. What's the other definition of persecution? We talked about last week, people pressure. People putting pressure on you because you're following God. Amen. And this young rich ruler was sad at that saying, like some people are when we say at the offering time. <laughs> and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. The word grieved means to be associated with loss. So he saw following Jesus and giving to the poor and following him as loss. So he missed this great opportunity. Because any time Jesus said, follow me, he only said that to his apostles. He only said it to the inner circle who were on Jesus' payroll. So he says, you come follow me, I'll meet all your needs. You come work for me. Some scholars would begin to think that maybe he was going to be Judas' replacement. You can't put a price on walking with Jesus being taught by Jesus, living with Jesus, going wherever he went 
We saw what it did for the original disciples. What would have done for this young, rich? But he went away sad at that saying. And Jesus looked round about and said to his disciples, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? That's right, Jesus. Rich people are bad. 1% evil people, Jesus. Evil people. And the disciples were astonished at his words. Now, if the disciples were broke, they would have said just what I said. They wouldn't have been astonished. You're only astonished if you got money. And if you qualify in that category, the rich, whoa, 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 Jesus, what you talking about? We won't get into the kingdom of God. We've been following you all these years. What you talking about? But Jesus answered again and says, how hard is it for them that trust in riches? Where is your trust? Where is your faith? Because if your trust is in riches, you are deceived by riches. To enter into the kingdom of God, God's way of doing things. He said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked upon them and said, with men it's impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. He said, yep, it might be hard if they trust in riches to go into the kingdom of God, but it's not impossible. So he's teaching these things. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed you. This guy couldn't do it, but we did it. Remember, Peter, James, and John were businessmen. They had a fishing trade. After they had one night where they didn't caught, they had a loss. But Jesus sent them back out, and they had more than enough. They had the biggest catch ever. And Jesus said, come and follow me, and they left it all. That was their biggest payday, and they left it all to follow Jesus. So Peter goes, we left everything. And Jesus answered and said, verily I say unto you, or I tell you the truth, anytime Jesus has to begin something like this, what he's about to say is hard for people to believe. There is no man that has left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Not in the sweet by and by, now in this time on this earth. Houses and brethren and sisters and mothers, no more wives, and children and lands with persecutions, people pressure. You start prospering, people are going to talk about you. They just so. They think they're better than everybody else. Well, why don't I have their money? I did more than they did. People always talk if you get money. Just laugh, all your, just laugh your way to the bank. Don't let people pressure change what you believe. Don't let people talk you out of the blessings of God. And in the world to come, eternal life. So Jesus gives his hundredfold return for those who depart with what they have for the, his sake and the sake of the gospel. And he promises them 100 times. Think about it. 100 times. Your seed will meet any need. 
What you give to God always multiplies. It's a consistent theme in the Old Testament as well as the New. God will bless you. He will prosper you, but he does it with a purpose. Just like God called Israel to be set apart, he called the church to be set apart. He told us in 1 Peter 2, verse 9 and 10, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him. You're supposed to show it. Who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Jesus has called you to carry your cross. Jesus has called you to carry out the mission that he gave you to carry out. While you carry out the mission, you will run into pressure. You may run into resistance, but stand strong and carry on anyways. It's not his cross. You're not called to carry his cross. Only Jesus carried that. You're called to carry yours. You're called to fulfill your mission while walking in love. You're called to fulfill your mission while walking by faith. It's not the time for you to seek your own way. At the time when Jesus said, take up the cross, he said, deny yourself and take up your cross. What is that saying? Sometimes when following God, you have to tell yourself no. Because there'll be times where you want to do something, but it contradicts what the Holy Ghost is telling you to do. There are times when you have to tell your flesh no. You have to crucify your flesh. No, you will not do this. No, you will not fulfill that desire. That's not what God wants me to do. And there'll be other times when you want to do some things that aren't bad, but it's not time for it yet. And at the current time, you have to tell yourself, no, but we'll get there eventually. Deny yourself. Telling yourself no to make sure you stay in the will of God. Someone asked Catherine Kuhlman, a great woman of God, used mightily in the charismatic renewal in the 60s and the 70s. Woman of God using great miracles, great works of power, packed stadiums across this country, many people coming to Jesus. And they said, Catherine, what's the secret to your power? And she said, Catherine dies a thousand deaths every single day. She says, I die to my flesh. I deny myself. I do the will of God. Now notice, denying yourself is not depriving yourself. Some people get into the ditch on one side or the other. One people go, oh, I do whatever I want. Other people go, oh, I can't have nothing. It's follow the book and follow the Holy Ghost. Knowing what God brings into your hands, some of it's for you. Some of it's for the church. Some of it's for others. But it takes a heart that's open to God to know the difference. You already know at the top 10% belongs to your local church. After that is whatever you decide in your heart to give as an offering. After that is whatever you want to do. However God leads you. If you just want to be a blessing to somebody. As you keep increasing and prospering. I want to pay off that person's car. I want to pay off that person's house. I want to build an orphanage myself. I want to fund those missionaries. You know what? I'm going to go and find another church 
and pay off their mortgage. It's letting that increase in your heart. Because you'll get to a point where you need nothing and you lack nothing. And you're like, well, what can I believe for now? Believe to bless neighborhoods and nations and thereby make Jesus famous by picking up your cross and following Jesus. And your cross is not too heavy for you to bear because whatever Jesus calls you to is light. It's not as heavy as he bore. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Follow my yoke, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now the translation says, come and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Come refresh yourself, get your life back. God's not called you to stress out. He's not called you to carry a care. He's not called you to be filled with worry. He's called you to take up your cross, take up your calling, take up your mission, take up your love walk and your faith walk, and follow him. In the process, he'll bless you beyond your wildest imaginations, but always has a purpose so that people can know about Jesus. You have to stand strong in faith like we talked about last week so you can carry your cross. You have a mission to fulfill. And the whole world must know about Jesus. Yes, the preaching of the gospel is good and is what we do. But your life should also preach a message. Your life should sing a song. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.